Language Talk is a series of podcasts of interest to Kentucky World Language Association members seeking information about important events, initiatives, and professional development opportunities. Each month, we will be talking with people in the know about world languages from across the state. Topics range from collaboration to the program review, from ACTFL news to interviews with master teachers. Language Talk is produced monthly by the Kentucky World Language Association Board and the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Kentucky. Welcome to Language Talk KWLA. This is your host, Laura Roche Youngworth, and today's topic is Unwrapping the Kentucky World Language Program Review. Last episode, we discussed the history and purpose of the World Language Program Review and specific components such as 21st century skills and global competency. Our guests, Jackie Van Houten and Alfonso de Torres, encourage listeners to use the World Language Program Review as a means to build capacity. As the June 1st KDE submission deadline approaches, Kentucky World Language educators are asking questions and seeking input from their colleagues for clarifications and examples. Our third Language Talk broadcast will focus on the details of the World Language Program Review. With us is a panel of educators who will share their perceptions and experiences. We have Alicia Vinson, World Language Coordinator for Fayette County Public Schools, Lucas Gravitt, German teacher at Scott County High School, and Lydia Kohler, French teacher at Clark County High School. Welcome Alicia, Lucas, and Lydia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for coming to UK, especially on this rainy day and being a part of Language Talk KWLA. Alicia, can you share a little bit about your background and experiences as a World Language Coordinator? Well, this is my 10th year as Fayette County World Languages Coordinator, and every day, I can tell you, it's a learning day for me. With so many initiatives in Kentucky, I think we're all just learning as we go along. Thank you. Lucas, can you tell us about your teaching experience and also your role in KWLA? Yes, thank you. I have taught German for eight years at Scott County High School in Georgetown. Um, and currently I serve as the president-elect for Kentucky World Language Association, but I have served in other capacities for about seven years off and on in the past. Great. Lydia, like Lucas, you're on the executive board of KWLA. Yes. Can you tell us about yourself? Yes. I'm the current KWLA secretary. Um, I have national board certification, and I've taught 12 and a half years, 10 and a half, at George Rogers Clark High School in Winchester, Kentucky. Thank you. All right, let's dig in. Let's discuss the implementation of the program review. KD has left a lot up to each individual district, and districts can choose how they want to implement it and the timelines they have to meet and so on. Do you know of anything your district has done, like any steps or any requirements they're asking of you regarding the World Language Program Review? Well, in Fayette County Valley Schools, um, we have a timeline um, in the way we review each standard, okay, and it mirrors the other program reviews. So we have groups that come together and review the standard, then they go to the schools, meet with their teams, and then um, send, you know, complete their the, temp- the template, you know, grading themselves or in showing what they're doing. The evidence is right there. Then again, we come as a group that we have a team that will review that evidence and offer, they either agree, we agree with the evidence or we don't, or we offer suggestions on how to maybe make revisions. So we do that for each standard. And um, every program review 
looks at the same standard at the same time. So it's, it's simple. It's right. a simple process. Right. Kind of, I would say, very much organized. Okay, so really laid out. This is what you do, and here's the timeline and so exactly. on. Exactly. Lydia Lucas, what's going on in your district? Well, um, they've just kind of added our program review to the other program reviews that have been uh, in place for several years. Uh, we have an administrator at our school who's in charge of all the program reviews, and we are um, not nearly as coordinated as Fayette County, but of course Fayette County is a lot bigger, mm -hmm. so there's a lot more coordination, although I would love to follow that timeline. It looks really good. Um, but um, we keep um, a running uh, Dropbox that has all the demonstrators with all the characteristics. And throughout the year, we're supposed to put that evidence into the Dropbox according to the different demonstrators. And then at the end of the year, we'll do something like um, what Alicia is talking about with filling in the template and actually mm -hmm. having like a narrative to go with the evidence. Will, will there be someone giving feedback to you? Um, I'm assuming that the uh, the administrator who's in charge at our district level at, at the at our high school level. There's also a district person. Who I'm not sure who that is, but um, yes, yeah, so I'm sure we'll be getting some feedback from administration. And Lucas, it's a bit different from my experience in Scott County as the department chair of the only language department at the school system. Um, I feel like at this point, maybe I'm wandering in the woods a bit, um, and I'm glad to be a part of this, of course, because I'm hoping to learn quite a bit from the other districts what they're doing. Uh, and I've talked with other teachers in the state and they keep saying, what are your deadlines and when is this due? Yeah. And I'm kind of twiddling my thumbs saying, well, um, I'm meeting next week with my department. Um, so at this point, we met actually yesterday with my full department. Uh, there's nine of us in the department and we laid out a plan. We have a, similar to the drop, Dropbox, we have a shared space that we're using our foreign language department which I've been trying to get them to change to world language, but they haven't done yet. Um, so we have that shared space on the school's network where we are um, adding our evidence, and we're going to have, fortunately, our, our district and my principal has been very supportive of our first year doing this, so he's giving us all one day with a substitute so that we can work in the computer lab to put evidence in and to work through the documentation, the, the actual narrative that goes along with the program review. So that's happening in early April, and we're hoping to have most of it hashed out by the end of April for submission to our central office in May. Okay. Now, is that, um, Lydia and Lucas, is that something your individual schools have done, or do you think that process came down from the district level? From at least my perspective at Scott County, this is something that I am doing. Um, okay. I haven't had much direction from our administration okay. other than hey, there's this thing coming up. Um, so as department chair, I've just taken that leadership role and, and right. have, have jumped in to get it completed. One question I have for you, Lucas. Um, do you know if the middle school uh, programs, or you know, the world language programs are doing the same? Are you working with them? or? I actually accidentally ran into our director of the uh, secondary schools uh, at Central Office the other day, and he kind of mentioned this. Um, that the elementary and middle schools will need some guidance and there's some thinking. Uh, he also indicated that he had been trying to get some guidance from the KDE but has not received any information back from them yet. So okay. I, I anticipate that information will come for him, um, but I haven't had any direction at this point to be assisting the middle schools or the elementary schools. Okay. Well, I think the two of you kind of already answered this, but let me get some feedback from Alicia then. What's happening at schools in Fayette County? So we heard what Scott and Clark are doing, individual schools. What's happening? Right. And at the school level, we have program review facilitators, and they have a committee 
they kind of chair the committee with folks not just for the world from the world mm-hmm. language department but from all the other departments they, they have a representative i heard that in some schools there's a parent sometimes there's a you know a student teacher collaborating and they meet regularly and of course they have to follow our timeline you know this year is only for high schools this in-depth area for the high schools however many of our schools decided they want to go through the process which is wonderful so we have middle schools and elementary schools that are really participating right. in the program review wow that's right. great it's fantastic i know at beaumont we um meet as three world language educators kind of pull some things together then we kick it to a larger committee like you're saying um, mine actually goes to equity committee and we do have parents on there and it's teachers from across the whole school and they kind of give feedback and look over and it's really nice to involve the whole school and i think that's what kd wanted yes is this to be a school-wide process Um, We have a question from a listener, which is really fun to get, and this individual is in a rural area of Kentucky, and this is what she says and asks, being from another state and having no language teachers in the county, I'm very unsure about how to do this program review, and I'm still not sure what the purpose could possibly be. Anything you all want to say to our listener? Well, I would like to say that uh, the World Language and Global Competency Program Review is like any of the other reviews that we already have, and it's a school-wide comprehensive review. Um, many characteristics of the, this World Language One deal strictly with language instruction, but the all overall review um, gives directions for best practices um, in also in global competency instruction, and it's in all the content areas. You know, it's it, try to incorporate um, global competency in other areas. So perhaps this teacher can enlist the help of other colleagues and collaborate. Right. Of course, she probably will have to be the one leading, um, but it's a learning experience again. And um, I will enlist, if I was her, I will enlist uh, other folks uh, to help me with it. Right. Anything you all want to add? Well, I see in addition to what Alicia has said, um, the purpose, from my perspective, also is to kind of show, showcase and to highlight what it is that we're doing in world language classrooms and across the curriculum, not just in our German and French and Spanish right. and Japanese Chinese classes, but also in our history classes. When they're learning about, for example, the Holocaust in Germany, uh, my students often come to me, and that can be part of this. Right. And in ROTC, they're learning uh, war history, and they're learning about various things around the world and other classes as well, culinary arts, for example, visual art classes. I think this is a way for us to organize and document everything that we're doing already around the school um, with all different content areas, but with a specific emphasis on world language and global competencies. Right. Lydia, you, you, are you in a similar situation to our listener? or um, Not really. Okay. Um, I feel like... Um, Another thing that, that, that the program review adds is uh, an emphasis on global uh, ideas. Um, if there is no um, language teacher in the entire county, this is something that should pinpoint to you, hey, we need to have a language teacher right. in this county. Um, I think it helps administration to understand what we're looking for, um, we want our kids to be globally competent and we want them to have language skills, 
So, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, why don't you, uh, you know, get on board and, and see what we can do with this. I think a lot, a lot of times, too, administrators don't know what world language teachers need, and this kind of gives them a direction right. to help us do our jobs better. Another thing, when she sent this question to me, um, I sent her what I had so far. I said, here's my standards one and two. Go at it. Oh, you know, oh wow. I have nothing to hide. That's, that's great. Can I get a copy of that, too? <laughs> yeah, or... really pass that on. Well, but... eventually, I think KDE will have some examples, yeah. examples. Yes. you know, because yes. that's what we're missing right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what really urged today's podcast was with colleagues from not in Fayette County, across the state, Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of questions. And I realized, wait, there's so many of us wanting to know details about the program review. So this is really what we're going to get into in a minute are some of the details that I think people are wondering about. But let's talk about one more thing first. Uh, The program review we have right now has gone through a lot of different revisions. Uh, Things have been dropped, added, good or bad. That doesn't matter. It is what it is. I'm sure it'll go through another revision or two before time ends. But is there something that stands out for you in this 2014 version, something that you found interesting? Well, for me, it was uh, discovering global competency. You know, the name Mm -hmm. started with the title. And at first, you know, as a language teacher that I am, I was like, oh, they're taking some of the power out of the world language classroom to add something else. But we have to look at it differently. If we look at our standards, it talks about interculturality. I mean, that would be one way to address it in the world language classroom. But again, it gives teachers, other teachers, to really um, look at global competency within the other classes. so the demonstrator for um, in student performance says students regularly demonstrate consistent growth in the development of their global competencies, and that is totally new. Before, um, it was geared to world languages. So um, that brought a new level of learning for us. Right. You know? um, and then there were other issues. I mean, I think that the old version... Um, tap more the or refer more to the uh, world language standard that you don't, you don't see that as much specific, as, yeah, yeah. Right. in this one I don't right. know have you noticed anything else from the old one um, no but I love the intercultural competency because I've taught those anyway and it was just nice to be like right. thank you for telling me this was what I was supposed to be doing all right. along right. it was validating to me mm-hmm. to see that right. in there I, I really appreciate what Alicia had to say about the global mm-hmm. competencies in particular um, because as Lydia just said, we're doing these things anyway, and it's nice to have that validated across the curriculum. And across I think that it's important to understand that. And, and also, I was a bit hurt when I saw the yeah. revisions <laughs> to begin with. Like, oh, you know, we fought for world languages for so long, and, and now they've lessened it. But actually, I think they've strengthened it mm-hmm. because yeah. we really are integral into all curriculum at the school level. Um, and that's going to better student performance across you know, everything. And it helps everybody else help us do our job. Right, because in reality, we're all working together for the common goal. Right. And I think also it's like opening a little window because sometimes we are isolated as we're language teachers. And with this global competency requirement now, maybe the other teachers are going to start looking at us and say, well, what do you exactly do in the classroom? And and how can I help you? I mean, so I think this is Overall, like you said, Lucas, it's going to be really good. I think it's great. Mm -hmm. Um, Oddly enough, global competency is interculturality. It just really adds on the action step. 
So what are you doing about it? Right. And that's just wonderful. Okay, we're going to get into it. Let's talk about specific components of the program review. We're going to go standard by standard. For listeners, if you have a copy with you, you can pluck along with us and see what we're talking about. So we're going to start with standard one, curriculum and instruction. And something that caught my eye was the use of the wording does not, limited, regular, and routine to differentiate between no implementation, needs improvement, proficient, distinguished. So, for instance, in Demonstrator 1A, the proficient rating states, the school provides regular opportunities for all students to develop benchmark proficiencies, while the distinguished rating states, school provides routine opportunities for all students to develop benchmark proficiency, so regular versus routine. Another example is in Demonstrator 3A, the target language is regularly used, as the language of instruction versus routinely used. What does that mean to you all? <laughs> I was having a bit of reflection uh, earlier today on regular versus routine, just at the root without taking any of the other verbiage from this text. And I was thinking about my daily life. You know, in foreign languages, we often talk about students being able to talk about their um, Alltag. In, in German, you would say your daily routines in life. So I brush my teeth routinely. I do that a couple Daily. times of day, a couple times of day uh, during you. the day. Um, <laughs> however, I go to the grocery store regularly, so not quite hitting it every twice a day, but as needed, regularly situation. So that's kind of my root. Uh, that's a creative way to look. That, at that. That's where my thoughts started mm -hmm. with this. Okay. Well, I, I look. I'm, I went to the dictionary as a second language learner. You know, I rely on the thesaurus and the dictionary a lot, and. Curiously enough, regularly, regularly as an adverb, also is frequently, um, mechanically, consistently, but they also say regularly. <laughs> so, I mean, um, routinely. So, I mean, and then when you look at routines or routinely, you get regular. So, mm -hmm. I think maybe that's something that perhaps after this first year they might want to look at those two terms and see exactly what they mean because to be honest with you it's very hard to differentiate between the two mm -hmm. that's my opinion right and doesn't reflect the district or anything <laughs> it's just right. what i'm thinking right i think routine has like more of an automatic feel to it than regularly like regularly and this is totally my opinion obviously <laughs> all of us are just kind of like stabbing in the dark yeah. Right. Uh, yeah but to me routine feels like oh of course it's going to happen why would you even question that and regular might be something that's scheduled and it's there and you know you're going to do it but it may be kind of in a new phase you know what i'm saying right. whereas routine is like well of course we're going to do that like you don't even have to ask the question so to me routine has like more of an automatic feel and regular has more of a we're getting there kind of feel Good. So, mm -hmm. like that. what do you think, Laura? Well, yeah. I, I agree with you all. I, <laughs> I think for me, um, I like what you said, Alicia. That might be something they want to look at changing. You know, tell me all the time. Tell me most of the time. Tell me. 90%, give me something. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Those two words for a second language learner like I am, they're too close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, it's a good start. I mean, they had to put something down. Right. Okay, in demonstrator two, we're still on standard one. We start to see global competency and 21st century learning skills included, as well as the phrase across the school curriculum. Can you share some examples you've seen either across your district or at your school that exemplifies these criteria? 
Um, at Scott County, we have a ton of different programs. We have a thriving ROTC program. We have uh, so many AP programs as well, particularly world history, um, student travel. And what comes to mind first is my collaboration that I did back before Christmas with our col culinary arts teacher. I had a Swiss exchange student at the time, and she was feeling a little homesick. So I said, well, let's do something fun for you. We went to the foods lab. I did a bit of instruction with the culinary arts students about Swiss German and some of the cultural traditions as well as some of the language. And then we baked Swiss German Christmas cookies uh, in the foods lab. And so the students of both my class and the culinary arts class got an example of Swiss culture, Swiss life, and some wonderful Swiss cookies and bread. Um, so those are that was exactly what came to mind first, um, it, it are some of these programs who exist. I know our French teacher, Julie Marshall, also does a lot of uh, interaction with the drama department with regard to plays and also with the culinary arts department where they are working to um, work on French cuisine and they have French week and it's great. So uh, it's really popular, at least in our school. Uh, there's a natural collaboration with arts and humanities teachers. And um, I noticed when I visited Dixie Elementary the students have learned about African masks. They read a story in the fifth graders in the regular classroom. And then uh, later on, the Chinese teacher introduced the, the Beijing opera masks, and they're kind of similar. And then they had a reflection piece. And I think that's a wonderful idea of mm -hmm. you know, collaborating in that aspect with the language and, and giving them the, the global perspective in, into different places. Right. I definitely think more things like that need to occur, more collaborations. Um, I was actually talking to some kids in my homeroom. Uh, we call it Connections at GRC. And I said, when do you ever talk about anything that takes place in another country? <laughs> like, you know, and it was, a, it was a short list of classes that really address that directly. And it's usually AP, like AP Human Geography, AP uh, U.S. Government and Politics, um, I said, what about civics? Do you talk about civics? Eh, not really. So, yeah, um, it really opened my eyes to how little, you know, hmm. uh, other other classes are, are talking about global issues. So that was real eye-opening to me. But these are some great ideas. I'll take those back. And, and even in the math department, or math, um, I remember a middle school classroom. Actually, I was working at SCAP at the time. And the math teacher asked me to introduce the metric system. So I was the one that actually taught the metric system to them. And then the conversation went, you know, about how many countries use it and all that. And the math teacher followed with her lesson and went on. So that was a good idea of integrating the language with the math. Mm -hmm. On Alicia's topic of math, I was just at Skolt this past week in Atlanta. Also, it was Alicia. And I attended a session on STEM education with mm -hmm. German language. Wow. And wow. I picked this out from a, a new, you know, a huge list of sessions that I could have gone to because I thought that that was quite important, how to integrate world languages into right. the, the core. Um, and one of the examples that Keith Cawthron from AETG in New Jersey gave was a example video from Germany, a German given example about how Chinese do multiplication or, or how to do Chinese multiplication. And it was completely in German, and they did the lines and this and that and the counts and the points and the numbers, and it was so neat. And by the end, we all understood what was going on. It was completely in the target language, and I really appreciated that um, 
blend as well, and I think that we can do a little bit more of that, not just in the world language classroom, but also in the STEM classes um, and, be, and STEM and beyond. I think as we um, get more comfortable with the program review, it's going to really fall on the world language educators' shoulders at each school to educate our mm -hmm. colleagues what is global competency, what is 21st century learning skills. And I know when I did speak with faculty across our school, I was really shocked how many are using global competency, and they didn't know it. Like the science teachers, they're talking about issues that are affecting every country in the world. And if they talk about Ebola somewhere and the perspective through those eyes of the people who are dealing, that's global competency. So right. I know, um, I hope educators take that opportunity to take a leadership role in their school and you know, lead a faculty meeting. We have to do it next week. We're very nervous about it. And we're gonna teach our faculty, this is what global competency is. You right. know, Start using it. Right. <laughs> or be more aware that you're using it and intentional I think what language, you're doing. Be more intentional. Language teachers need to understand that even though, though you may not feel like it, you are the expert. Yeah. Uh, and then particularly a lot of districts like the, the lady who submitted the question earlier, she likely could be the expert or right. anybody in the school that has at least foreign travel experience. Um, you know, you don't have to be from a different country to be able to explain these different perspectives. But even if you have a partnership with a school, you know, somewhere else, doesn't you know? I'm thinking even teachers from a, and then co collaborate with one project or do a mm -hmm. project together. That would be an excellent experience, Incredibly right? valuable. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, because you know they have we have the same issues and the same concerns, and right. maybe we can collaborate that way. All right, and demonstrator four. The concept of students setting performance goals is mentioned. In particular, 4C states, teachers regularly help students set performance goals for themselves based on the state standard for accomplished, and students routinely set high, <laughs> sorry, high performance goals for themselves based on the state standard. In what ways have you seen teachers doing this? How are they helping students set goals for themselves? Any experience with that? If not, I can share. Well, when I had read through this as uh, earlier, um, I was thinking, which of course is more teacher-centered, but the student growth goals within TPGES as well. Um, and I have, for all of my students, based on the level of class that I'm teaching, um, the section that I'm teaching, this is what your proficiency level should be by the end of this term or the end of this semester. Um, let's see where we are. Let's do some self-assessments. Um, no stress, right. I'm not going to assign a number grade to it. I just want to see where you are and where you place yourself, and then we're likely going to do some assessments where I'm going to tell you what the assessment results place you. Um, but I, honestly, I haven't had examples, I don't have examples for me or for my school um, where students have actually set their goals as, I want to be this proficiency, other than by the end of the term, you know, everyone's going to reach this, hopefully reach this proficiency level. Right. Well, um, I have some examples where teachers set goals at the beginning of the school year by first explaining what it means to be a novice, right. mm -hmm. an intermediate, and an advanced. Right. You gotta start um, for the little ones, like in the Japanese classrooms that I visited, they um, use the image of Mount Fuji, and then at the bottom of the mountain, you have like maybe isolated words. They don't say isolated. They just say words. Then they go to sentences, you know, and then paragraph so do, where do you want to go what do you want to do what will it take that's the type of questions they ask the kids you know 
Uh, it will take longer to get there, and what can we do about it? So where do you want to be? And, and then they monitor that progress. You know, of course, if they don't see the students, you know, frequently, they're not going to make advance a whole lot. But the idea is that, that they explain what the proficiency levels mean and where the performance is going to be if they ask questions, if they can do certain things. Right. And I've seen that at the middle school level as well. Right. I explained at the high school level the way that you do at MOPI trainings and stuff like that, mm -hmm. where you put them in groups and say, okay, you describe this situation in words, you do it in simple sentences, you know, and, and that really That's that great. Really helps. Right. Yeah. yeah, that I like really that. helps. They really know what's going it's on. It's important for them, the students, to know what a proficiency level is and, right. and how to achieve that proficiency level and how to move to the next level. I think that right. that's, that's crucial. We've seen, uh, I've seen examples through um, KWLA conference where teachers are doing more things with proficiency and their students are able to say, I know what a, a novice high is, right. I know what an intermediate low exactly. is. Exactly. Right. And I think that's important as we move forward nationwide. Well, one thing we're doing at our school, and it's really just a lark that we're doing it, no, I should say it's very intentional, but it's a lark <laughs> we're doing it. Um, we have started student portfolios with our kids. And, you know, the three of us have approached it differently, but the same concepts there. And by the end of eighth grade, they're going to have an exit interview with us where they share their portfolio, prove to us they're at a certain proficiency level. And wow. we're expecting novice high. Some might be lower, some might be higher. And they've got all this proof, and some of it's um, digital. So we've got a digital folder set up on our school system. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, it, I like that. it's in the infant <laughs> stages, but I've been shocked. And granted, it is, it is middle schoolers, and I understand high schoolers are very different. But my middle schoolers, when they get a quiz back, they almost drive me crazy. Should this go in my folder? I'm like, no. You know, no, don't put this in there. And they're getting really good at self-evaluating if this is a good example of what they can do. And I've been really proud of how they're looking at themselves as language users or learners. Evidence. Even. It's all about the evidence. Yes. What can they show well, they can, can do really with the show language? Me helpful. I mean, show me the language. I mean, they're looking at a pretest, like at the beginning of the year or maybe right. nine weeks in, and then they look at it, you know, three quarters of the way through the year, and I'm like, here's the before, here's right. the after. Right. It's, it's like, whoa, yeah. look, I do know some stuff after <laughs> all. <laughs> and that would be that be a great way to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to move on to standard two now, and this is formative and summative assessment. In particular, Demonstrator 1C addresses student self-assessment and peer review to monitor progress. So it kind of fits into what we've been talking about. What suggestions do you have for incorporating student self-assessment and peer review within a teacher's instructional practices? I see this a lot with the IPAs um, that I've been developing and working with, some from colleagues around the state, and particularly with rubrics and having students do performance projects rather than a paper-pencil test. Um, it's you actually get a lot more live language as, as you all know uh, who are sitting here and likely those of you who are listening um, and with the rubrics then you can easily tie in a self-assessment that goes along with that once you score the rubric or you finish the project or they finish their performance of whatever type it is then I have been generating the self-assessment I can do this yes I can or no I can't or I can do this sometimes I'm still working on it Actually, I think I stole one of those sheets from Thomas Sauer but from many years ago. But um, it, it's nice for students to reflect, yeah, I, I think I can do these most of the time, or I can do this, this task all right. the time, or, or I'm reaching this proficiency level um, quite a lot. Anybody else? Okay. Um, we're going to move to Standard 3, 
and the concept of job embedded professional learning is addressed. For example, in Demonstrator 1C, it says job embedded is an interest, sorry, job embedded is a very interesting term and it's something that I'm kind of wondering how you are understanding it. It's actually something I went to KDE and looked up last night. And I see Alicia with a printout of something, and that's exactly <laughs> what I um, saw. Well, no, I send something to all my, my teams, mm -hmm. and um, that I I had to research it myself. Yeah. You know, we had what had some it? conversations about what it could be, but I did my own research. And um, it is defined by a uh, learn, try, evaluate cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, learn, try, evaluate, mm -hmm. that repeats over time. So it requiring teacher involvement and it needs to be implemented right away. So job embedded professional learning is more than just um, a one-time initiative where you go and you take something in. It has to be something that you implement, you reflect, and you know, it's like a cycle if you think of a circle going back and forth. Right. Um, so I, I think that teachers also, they have a, a chance to learn once they implement in the classroom and reflect, and then, you know, again, do they need to research some more? Do they need to learn some more? Or is that sufficient, that right. type of thing? At, at Scott County, um, we're very fortunate where we have great district leadership and great school leadership. And this year in particular, our district had uh, mandated six hours of department PD. Um, that must be conducted, of course, outside of the school day. And we all, at the beginning, were kind of like, oh, this is just another mandate uh, coming down. But by the end of it, I felt incredibly supported by central office because of this. Um, so at least in our department, we decided to spend a few hours working together to understand proficiency levels, yeah. as we just talked, uh, so that the entire department of nine can be on the same page uh, right. as understanding proficiency levels. And then we moved into IPAs, the performance assessments for students. And the final few hours was implementation of a uh, performance assessment and reflection on that and then reporting back to the department how it went, what went well, what didn't go well, where we are with it. Um, and we got overwhelming support from the full department that everyone loved it and they want to keep using it. And they all are developing their own IPA assessments now and implementing them. So we've seen a lot of progress with this embedded PD. Right. Um, I, I think that's a perfect example. Right. It, it doesn't work. Yeah. And I had notes written down that uh, the PD can't be, okay, now we're doing PD and no. tomorrow you forget about it. And I think uh, and within my teaching career, there's been a lot of that uh, school-based, oh, yeah. let's sit and let's watch this video take. or let's sit and take this. Yeah. Um, but now, at least at Scott County, I see that the administration is focusing more on this embedded PD where take this PD, yes, implement it, and then report back to us. Now, are you allowed time them. during the day for this, or is it after school? For this particular set of PD hours, it was all outside of the school hour. Okay. Um, however, we did award PD for implementation of it. We did award credit for the teachers developing the IPA and their reflection on that, because I know they weren't doing that during the school day. They were doing it at home, or they were doing it outside of the normal school day. Okay. So. Sounds really, really good. It's fun. Exciting. <laughs> well, one thing that, picking up on what you said, Alicia, is um, I believe one of the things 1D is after in Standard 3, does your school have time 
in which right. they allow right. this collaboration to happen. And unfortunately, high schools don't often have that time. Mm-hmm. I know our middle school, just because we have the most beautiful schedule I've ever seen, <laughs> it allows our team to meet every day for 20 minutes. Wow. We have the time. So to you have, have them embedded. Truly job embedded PD. Day. And I realize our school is very fortunate. And mm-hmm. I feel kind of sorry because that makes teachers have to do that before or after school or right. Saturdays or whatever that's going to be. Right. So it's nice your school gave you six hours to have that Right. And, and I think that was a nice nice compromise from them yes. that that six hours could be counted toward our PD credits for the year. Um, right. So that we actually had some benefit of getting together. Uh, otherwise, as everyone knows, it's, it's like pulling teeth trying to get teachers mm-hmm. Uh, to stay after if they're not getting PD credit for it and if it's not within the workday. For some teachers, that's that's very hard for them to do. And, and I understand family constraints and personal constraints, but um, I'm very thankful to, to the Scott County uh, Central Office and the, the staff there for allowing that for right. us. In Demonstrator 2, teachers' active participation in leadership roles in professional learning communities is being addressed. And all three of you are very involved. Um, really not even asking you all, except I did ask Alicia for some of hers. I was thinking KWLA, ATG, ATF, ATSP, NEL, UK Confucius Steering uh, Committee, American, well, we already did that one, but you all are horribly involved. Oh, what? let's not put it like that, Laura. <laughs> I don't We're mean joyfully horribly. involved. I mean, horribly in a good way. Involved. Right. But what I am asking you is what advice can you give to new or even very experienced teachers who want to be involved, but they're not? What can they do? Get involved now. Actually, get involved a year ago, whenever you start teaching. Um, I was fortunate to have some mentors in my life um, that didn't really push me, but they gave me a good example of being involved and being engaged in um, a lot of organizations to help you, ultimately. And I've been involved with KBLA for eight years now, um, as well as AATG in Kentucky, and I have leadership roles in both of them. But um, And it doesn't have to be a elected position, an elected position. It doesn't have to be anything big. And we're seeing this in KWLA now, where we have committees that are chaired by a person on the board, but in the committees, we have people that are not necessarily board members. They're not elected positions, but they just want to help out. So I think at least within our organization of Kentucky World Language Association, members can get involved just on a committee, just for their advice, just for their hands, just for a little bit of help, and then perhaps move up into uh, regional rep positions and then perhaps regional rep liaison. And I think the structure of the KWLA board is such now that it allows for people who don't want to commit a whole lot of time uh, to do something to help the organization and kind of get their feet wet. Can you um, be more specific? How do you get to be on a committee? What do they do? Um, for KWLA in particular, uh, they can go to our website at kwla.org and click About Us uh, section and About the Board specifically, and it says which committees each board member are on. And there actually is another site that has, or another page that has committees and list members in that committee and contacts for the committee chair. Um, so the committee members would do anything from help Laura organizing a podcast or a professional development, or perhaps on the conference committee, for example, that I chair, um, just provide some suggestions, provide your advice. That's incredibly important. Showcase. Showcase is another big one. And we have a very functional committee at this point where we're meeting regularly every month and sometime it's going to pick up, I think. Um, it's important to have other people's voices. Those of us on the board, for example, we hear our voices and each other's voices, but it's also important for us to hear the voice of the member. 
So we really uh, encourage us. This is my shameless plug. Please, <laughs> please join a committee, particularly showcase committee and PD committee and conference committee. We need a lot of help. And I think the PD committee, I mean, the showcase committee would be wonderful right now mm-hmm. because we're getting ready for the showcase. Right. And uh, yeah, you can that join would be anytime. A, it would be as easy to come with your students and give us a hand. Right, right. Even if it's stuffing bags or copying things or whatever it might be, it's just we a could step, use any help. Step and Lydia and I are both on the showcase committee, so yes, we, we, we can use your hands. <laughs> we can. And it doesn't really take much of anything. You just have to be willing to show up and, and help. And all of us can do that. Right. So. right. That's how we all got involved, spirit. I, yeah, I think. You, you kind of get started, then you get hooked, and it's pretty fun. Yes. And even through your AAT, like Lydia sent out an email for AATF asking people to help her create the questions for the showcase. Right. And I know there were several that responded. Yes, I had four people on my little subcommittee right. there, and wow. we knocked it out. That's yeah. good to hear. Yeah, it was during the snow week. Come on, Germans. We must step <laughs> this up now. <laughs> Okay, finally we are at standard four, which is school leadership. A question from another KWLA member asked, who is leadership? And they were being serious about that. Mm-hmm. What positions or individuals does this encompass? So who do you all think that means? Well, curiously enough, at our last meeting where we review um, standards three and four, we had a principal representing her school. And it was all the fingers pointed at her, saying, <laughs> no. okay, this is the part no. where the principals need to answer. So at least we interpreted, and again, this is our mm-hmm. interpretation, that the leadership team at the school level, the principal, the uh, PG coach, those would be the ones answering those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, or, or at least given a lot of their input in those standards. Mm-hmm. I see it as, as perhaps a little broader than that, or more broad. Um, I'm not sure which word to use there. Sorry, language people. <laughs> um, I even see this including teacher leaders, uh, all the stakeholders, not just those of us who, not just those who are department chair or who are principal, counselors, superintendent, and so on. Um, but, for example, we have teachers in, in my department who step up and lead programs such as our Discover Languages Week. Um, Our Spanish teacher, Pam Kramer, does a great job with that. Um, And I I think that she is a leader within our department, and I really look for her as, just for one example, as guidance as well. But but I do see where it's mostly administration, but I, I think that we, at least for me, I think of it in broader terms. That's good. So we have conflicting opinion. It's okay. (laughs) Now, here's a great one. Are any of you aware of opportunities for school leadership to participate in professional learning regarding world languages or global competency? Um, Kentucky World Language Association had a a panel discussion last fall at our conference specifically for principals and superintendents. Will you be doing that again? We absolutely plan to do that again. Um, And actually, I would like to embed a few more sessions perhaps throughout the conference rather than just a one Thursday night. Now, this is for principals. I think that principals and administrators, um, superintendents, should be involved in the whole conference, not just a Thursday from 5 to 8. Um, I think that, that I'm hoping that we can perhaps make more sessions for leaders within the school. And, and again, in my opinion, that could be a department chairs. That could be also principals or counselors. But I, I'm hmm. definitely hoping that we can have a 
roundtable, and perhaps Alicia, you would like to participate in this as uh, as representative from Fayette County um, to bring other people course, in from around yeah. the state to yeah. engage in conversation and talk about these issues that we all face. So, all right. yes, I'm hoping great. that that's going to happen this year. Okay. <laughs> um, I know Randy Barrett and myself are going to be presenting something at KEA, and mm-hmm. that's something that um, leaders can come to. And I. I I should know what we're presenting. I don't exactly know, but I think it's Global Competencies and something with the program review. I can't remember our exact title. But that's something that leaders are welcome to, to find out the premise behind it and things that can be going on at their school. So it might be something where the AETs can jump on board and have a session together or mm-hmm. promote something at KWLA. Right. But I, I'm going to go on a limb and say it is something a little bit lacking for yeah, our school so. leaders right. right now. I agree. And their schedules are so tight, it might need to be something where we create a webinar or information session that they can listen to at their convenience, you know, from KWLA. Maybe we can make a podcast, Laura Roche. Oh, goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I'll write it down. (laughs) Stay tuned uh, for Podcast 8. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To wrap up our discussion, what positive impacts have you seen at your school, your district, or even across the state? resulting from the World Language Program Review? Well, in our case, some fierce conversation regarding schools that do not have a uh, World Language Program in the, at the elementary level. Um, so this is, a, I, I see the program review as a tool for reflection. In a sense, it's not that, uh, what are we going to do about this? What are the next steps? And I, I think this, you know, actually facilitating the type of conversations we have to have regarding world languages. And I'm, I'm talking about the elementary and even some middle schools. Um, will they have more offerings? What else do they need to do to address the program review? Right. Um, I've seen expanded um, offerings of elementary languages in our district. Um, not to the extent of you know immersion or anything like that, but is it including it as a special at the elementary level and at the middle school level? Um, hopefully, that will someday turn into fully articulated right. K through 12. But right. we're not there yet. But baby at least steps. there's a baby step. Mm-hmm. That's right. exactly I, it. And I think that that's what program review is doing for us right. in Kentucky. It's providing us a little nudge. Mm-hmm to start adding programs in elementary and middle schools which traditionally have not been there in the state um, and to bring awareness to world language education and global competencies. Um, and, I, and I second what Alicia said, it makes us reflect. Mm-hmm. It makes us document. It makes us get together and talk about what we're doing and make sure that we're all on the same page um, and we're here to, we're here for students. Um, and Fayette County has the wonderful uh, slogan, it's all about kids. <laughs> and, and really that's what it comes down to. Right. What can we do for all kids, not just high school kids. Um, so that's kind of... And that's one thing that is really <clears throat> expressed in the program review. Access right. to everyone. All students. All right. students. Right. And I think that's something to applaud. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And I think World Language Program Review being coupled with TPGS, we're being told, here's effective teaching practices, here's effective programs. It's like the perfect layout of what should be happening. It's the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. And they come in the same year. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I'd like to say a big thank you to our panel of educators, Alicia Vinson, Lucas Gravett, and Lydia Kohler, for sharing their perceptions and understandings of the Kentucky World Language Program Review. If a listener wishes to contact one of you, um, can you all please share your emails, how they can do that? Sure. Alicia.Vinson 
at fayette.kyschools.us. Thank you. My name is hard to spell, so I'm going to spell it <laughs> L-Y-D-I-A dot K-O-H-L-E-R at Clark dot <laughs> And I'm going to use my easy email, president-elect at K-W-L-A dot org, and that'll be shot right to me. Thank you. As we near the end of our podcast, it's time for polyglotting news. We have a new addition to our polyglotting news segment called Pedagogical Corner. Our goal is to highlight a new instructional practice, resource, methodology, etc. that is making waves in the language world. Sharing with us a website and service for advanced language learners is Megan Ironpour, French teacher at Lexington Catholic High School. This concludes our podcast of Unwrapping the Kentucky World Language Program Review. I wish to thank our guest, as well as Jean-Marie Houillier-Willoughby and the University of Kentucky for providing the location and broadcasting of our podcast. And as always, you, the listener, for tuning in. Until next time, this is Laura Roche Youngworth for Language Talk KWLA saying au revoir and happy teaching. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, today I wanted to talk about a great resource called LearnerRadar. You can access this resource at learnerradar.com, L-E-A-R-N-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. LearnerRadar is a website for AP exam practice with a different point of view from the College Board. They have multiple subjects, including AP Latin, AP French Language and Culture, AP Spanish Language and Culture, and AP Spanish Literature, as well as the SAT2, the subject test for French. What the website does is rather than having practice tests where students continually get a two, instead the goal or the niche of the website is to practice what the student knows. So they have all subject areas um, in addition to the languages. So if a student continues to take U.S. history practice tests and they keep getting a two, likely they aren't going to do any better if they don't know more about history. So LearnerRator's niche and their scope in this is practicing for the AP exam by bettering your content knowledge. So I've created the French language and culture part of LearnerRator, and as a result, a student can log in and practice their grammar, they can practice listening excerpts, they can read articles and answer multiple choice questions on all of the themes. They can also learn, review, and practice culture um, with explanations in English and French, and it works on a freemium plan, which means that students can browse the website before they make any monetary commitment. They can practice easy and medium questions, and then if they want to do the difficult culture questions or if they want the answers explained to them in both English and French, then they can pay. And it's $19 for a subscription with discounts for the more um, subjects that they sign up for. So in addition to language and culture and competencies, there's some other applications to others as well. So again, that's LearnerRator, www.learnerator.com. Thank you, Megan. Jean-Marie, what updates can you share for the Polyglotting University News? Modern and Classical Languages, Literatures, and Cultures and Hispanic Studies at the University of Kentucky were honored to host students of Chinese, French, German, Japanese, Latin, and Spanish at their recent World Language Open House. 
Students were able to attend language classes in the languages they study, as well as to explore other offerings such as Arabic and Russian. They were also able to participate in classes on film, music, folklore, and literature. Our faculty were very impressed with the talent and enthusiasm of the students from high schools in Scott County, Clark County, Frankfurt, and Lexington. This was the first World Language Open House at UK, but it won't be the last, so stay tuned for next year's event. The UK language faculty want to foster the love of language and culture no matter where the students go on to college. We'd be happy to have them study at UK, of course, but the real goal of World Language Day is to get students engaged with language and culture, to show them the variety of topics universities offer, and to encourage them, regardless of their majors, to continue studying language. We hope that the World Language Open House opens doors to lasting connections with the teachers dedicated to language and cultural education to foster mutual support for your efforts and ours. The Year of the Middle East at UK continues until the end of April. You and your students are welcome to any and all events. Information can be found at passport.as.uky.edu. Next year will be the Year of Europe, and information will be posted at the same address in August. Plus, we always invite you to join us for the KFLC, the Languages, Literatures, and Cultures Conference, on April 25th through 23rd through 25th, 2015, in Lexington, on the UK campus. Founded in 1948, the KFLC is one of the country's longest-running literary, linguistics, pedagogy, and technology conferences. We host over seven, uh, 750 participants annually, and over 85% of our presenters hold PhDs in their fields. This year, we'll feature sections on Arabic and Islamic studies, East Asian studies, English as a foreign language, French and Francophone studies, German-Austrian-Swiss, Hispanic studies, Peninsular linguistics and Spanish-American, Italian studies, linguistics, Luso-Afro-Brazilian, Neo-Latin, and Russian, as well as second language acquisition and translation studies. More information on registration or on the conference is available at kflc.as.uky.edu. Thanks, Jean-Marie. Lucas, what news does KWLA have to share? Wow, there's a lot of stuff going on with KWLA these days. Several members, um, and particularly board members as well, have just returned from Atlanta. We attended the Scold Conference down there. Um, and I want to tell you, Kentucky was incredibly well represented. I almost attended, every session I attended, I heard the word Kentucky at least once uh, yeah. by the presenter. Wow. Um, so I really feel that we are doing great things in Kentucky. We often get bogged down with a lot of the work and things that are going into it, but trust me, guys, we're doing really good things. Miko Momozono from Fayette County Schools represented us well in the running for the Sculpt Teacher Wonderful. of the Year. But in the end, we're uh, sad to say she did not uh, receive the Sculpt Teacher of the Year uh, honor, but we would like to congratulate Lenny Bronstein from Flava uh, in Virginia as, as she was selected as toy, and we'll go on to Actful. Okay. Um, congratulations to Lenny. We also wish to thank Kristen Tench for her presentation of Best of Kentucky. In addition to that, three Kentucky teachers were awarded scholarships by Sculpt. It was the largest representation at the Sculpt Awards luncheon that I've ever seen. Um, Jennifer Kennedy from Fayette County Public Schools receiving a scholarship to study in Madrid, Spain this summer. Marie Stevens from Scott County High School receiving a scholarship to study in Sevilla, Spain this summer. And myself, Lucas Gravett, receiving a scholarship to study in Berlin, Germany this summer. Uh, we are also thrilled to announce nine regional PD sessions on proficiency and assessments. That is correct. Nine different sessions starting this weekend which I'm not sure when we're going to be airing, but it starts very soon. Um, and the last one goes until April 18th. 
you can go to kwla.org pd for more information on those. Planning for the 2015 fall conference is well underway. I'm excited to say and first announce that ACTFL Teacher of the Year Nicole Nadez will be our keynote and our feature speaker this year at conference. I had a great time meeting her at Sculpt this past weekend, and I really think that she has a lot to bring to Kentucky, and uh, you all will love Nicole, I, I promise on that. Call for Proposals is open now and runs through April 30th. We've really pushed this up again this year as we had some feedback that uh, membership wanted uh, conference descriptions, session descriptions prior to registering for the conference, so we have to have those proposals in by April 30th, and the Proposals will be reviewed and will be announced uh, by the end of May, and registration will open for conference on June 1st. You can visit kwla.com, I'm sorry, kwla.org slash conference slash 2015 for more information, and also to get your proposal rubric, your guidelines, and uh, information on how to submit a proposal. We pride ourselves on great teaching and want you to nominate a deserving colleague for a KWLA award. Dates and guidelines are available at kwla.org slash awards. Winners will be acknowledged at the award luncheon, awards luncheon on September 26th in Louisville at our annual fall conference. And finally, registration for the new and improved showcase and competition is now open. Mm-hmm. Our showcase director has been working very, very hard, as well as the showcase committee, to take your opinions and take your reflections to us and continue to edit and refine the showcase. And we really think that we've got it right this year. This is a year you don't want to miss. You want to make sure to go to kwla.com slash showcase. I'm sorry, I keep saying that. (laughs) kwla.org slash showcase uh, for more information there. The guidelines are posted there uh, as well as the registration link. It is $15 per student. It's April 25th at Center College in Danville. So you can go online and register there or email us if you have questions for that. And that's all I have. Thanks so much for what you do for language education in Kentucky. Thank you, Lucas. This concludes our podcast of Unwrapping the Kentucky World Language Program Review. I wish to thank our guest, as well as Jean-Marie Houillier-Willoughby and the University of Kentucky for providing the location and broadcasting of our podcast. And as always, you, the listener, for tuning in. Until next time, this is Laura Roche Youngworth for Language Talk KWLA saying au revoir and happy teaching.